0: This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay. And today we have an awesome guest with us, Daniel Snow, who's the co-founder at the Snow Agency, a full-service digital marketing agency for businesses looking to grow. Daniel, we're so excited to have you on the podcast over here. I know we're going to be talking a lot about how to launch your product from idea and how to scale to production. I know you have a lot of experience running a few different businesses, so excited to have you here on the podcast. But before we dive into all the great topics we have over here, I'd love to pass the mic over to you if you want to give a quick little intro about yourself and uh, tell us a little bit more about the Snow Agency.
1: Yeah, so the Snow Agency... Um, is a fast growing agency. We're actually only about two years old, but have been in the industry for much longer than that. So for the agency, we, uh, myself and my brother, we owned a portfolio of e-commerce brands that we literally all started from the ground up. So we found product, ideated it, brought it to market, rapidly scaled multiple brands, and eventually sold our, our brands. And that's kind of how we were able to grow our agency so fast because we're able to grow our clients really fast, but just because of all the essentially kind of the playbook we developed for launching and scaling brands and whatnot. So yeah, now we're full service, which is really awesome. We have a creative studio, Kindred Studios, which specializes in photo, video, web design, etc., working hand in hand with our ad buying and, and growth teams. So uh, we have full kind of loop on how the, the performance and creative is going. So we constantly iterate on that. So yeah,
0: very cool yeah and i know uh you mentioned that you had started your own content studio um, over there to shoot content for e-commerce brands and things like that what was the idea behind starting a studio like that what did you kind of see in the market that was missing um, for you to feel like that was something that you and your team wanted to introduce
1: yeah i mean i I always knew i wanted to create a studio i mean content for advertising in general is the single most important thing right now in the landscape you know, Facebook, Google, et cetera, are taking a lot of the heavy lifting out of the audience selection, stuff like that. They're making the media buying process itself a lot easier. And the creative is a differentiating factor for brands, whether it be on their website, you know, the photo content, on their social media, obviously on ads. So we, I kind of saw it as an absolute must that we need to own that kind of uh, that creative uh, capability. Uh, or at least be able to offer it to our clients. Nice.
0: Very cool. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think I see a lot of brands nowadays very heavily focusing on the content piece, um, which seems to be like important to building that brand and scaling that brand. So let's talk a little bit about um, product launches specifically. Um, launching products can be very daunting. Sometimes there's a lot of things to do to get done. I'd love to know from your experience as someone who's had experience uh, building and scaling products, what do you think is kind of like the, the bare minimum requirements that you need for launching a product? And what are some of the things that most people think that you need, um, but you might not necessarily need um, right at launch?
1: I think that the most important thing to do prior to launch to put your brand in a position of success is is number one, a lot of people just aren't prepared for product launch. They're like, oh, we have the product, we have, we have no content. I just explained how important content is. So it's like a lot of people just are completely unprepared. They don't have content when it's time to launch their brand, which obviously doesn't make sense. So the best way to think about content in terms of when it's time to launch a brand is to kind of put together various, because you obviously you don't have any data initially, is to put together various customer personas that you think might be in market to buy your products the ages the genders ethnicities the interests the different uvps that resonate with these various personas then what do you do you you get all the different uvps challenges etc um, hesitations to buy in for different people that represent those target personas you can test it now you're able to to quickly identify hopefully at least one persona that that's working and having performance, and then you can scale that. And that's essentially what comes down to a successful brand launch. When it's unsuccessful is, let's say you test, you have a few pieces of content, it doesn't work. Now you're, you're just constantly playing catch up, you're losing money, you're burning money, you're burning time, you're just trying to figure out what works. But if you come prepared day one with different content, different personas, different ways, uh, angles and whatnot, it just puts your, you in a position to succeed day one. And then having corresponding landing pages that go in each, so you know if you if you have a certain persona for content, you create a landing page in a corresponding manner, increases the you know hopefully the conversion rate, and once uh, again it's just what we find is, is truly the best way to bring a product to market.
0: Very cool. Uh, so for a lot of maybe first-time founders or people that have just kind of gotten their feet wet in the e-commerce space, how do you like? recommend if you can like peel back a little bit on the process like how do you find those those personas and the the right people to target and the right people to build landing pages for
1: so that a lot of that is through just kind of like customer research do you have competing brands if so go to their amazon reviews go to their shopify reviews go to reddit go to their facebook reviews are there any patterns are, are people older are the younger what genders what ethnicities what are the the patterns of unique value propositions they're saying why they bought it what are the reasons why they're saying they, they didn't buy it? And um, you know, most of the time people have there's other brands out there that that have overlap. So simply just doing that that research on on other brands in your space should give you enough data initially where you can at least uh, replicate that for your own brand or at least put you in a position to succeed day one.
0: For sure. That makes a lot of sense over there. Any source in particular that um, you always like using when doing that customer research process?
1: Yeah, definitely Amazon, because Amazon, you can't hide the bad reviews, you know, now a, a, a lot of Amazon reviews, I guess you could say, are more inflated, more fake than even the Shopify with the current landscape. But at least you could see the, the bad reviews. It's a really combination of, I would say, Amazon and just Shopify reviews and even reading the comments on the ads themselves on Facebook for those competing brands can give you a lot of insight if you don't have any initially.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm guessing you're a pretty big fan of Facebook Ads Library too. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: the transcripts. <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah, it's great. Yeah,
0: you know, I know we launching a product and kind of knowing what the steps are. It's really easy to put them on paper and write out the processes and things like that. But it can be difficult sometimes to actually get that idea launched, you know, going from the idea and actually turning it into a product. How do you kind of uh, make sure that that idea doesn't just stay an idea, and I'm sure you have experience too as an entrepreneur, and really getting it launched um, and out there into the market to be able to kind of test and scale and, and optimize and things
1: like that? So there's two things you could do. If you don't want to invest, let's say 150000 into launching a brand, which I say is typically like a minimum, could be more or less, depending on MOQs and whatnot, what you could do is just put together a landing page you could still get the content, you might not have the product in it, and some you know, basic photo content, whatnot, and literally test to see key metrics, click through rates, which gauges customer interest, conversion rates, add to cart rates, et cetera, before you even have the product or buy it. You could just return, uh, refund all the customers and so you have the data. So I know multiple people that have done this. The reason why this doesn't always work is because you could see how you could get false negatives. And the biggest thing on launching and scaling a brand is you're constantly learning what customers are saying. And with this initial test, without having the physical product, number one, your content's not gonna be as good because you won't have the actual product in the videos and content. And there's no learning going on, you know? So it's like not every brand we've ever seen that has launched day one, that success day one is the most successful, you know? There's been multiple brands that struggled initially and after constant learning, iteration, et cetera, over time, they you know, they gained tons of momentum. You can go at it both ways, but yeah, that's kind of how I see it.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great idea to kind of test it and kind of figure out where where you can find that balance in terms of how much money you're willing to invest up front. So we've talked a little bit about like the actual like research process as well. Uh, You know, making sure you're you're actually getting this product to market. Once you've kind of launched, there's usually a decent amount of resources that are needed to support a brand and, and support a business, things like a website, uh, for e-commerce, like packaging suppliers, what advice and what recommendations do you have for brands that are in those early stages in terms of what do I keep in house? What do I, what do I outsource? If you have any recommendations around any of that stuff and what you've seen kind of effective work there.
1: Yeah. So say it again, content's the most important thing whether you're doing the media buying or not, your agency or you, content is the most important thing. And the interesting thing about content is that, especially user-generated content, et cetera, it's not necessarily like skill behind it. I mean, the skill is is really just identifying, like once again, everything I said, unique value propositions, customer demographics, et cetera. So you get that content, but it really is just like a tedious, manual, labor-intensive sort of position. And if you're gonna outsource that, it's going to be expensive and you're not going to get as much content. So just keeping that in house day one, in my opinion, is the most important thing because you can be nimble, quick, generate tons of content quickly and always have those capabilities to source content. I think that media buying, if you don't have those skill sets, it doesn't make sense to bring it in house because a good media buyer is really a growth marketer. You know, they understand content strategy. They understand landing page strategy. They understand landing page optimization. They understand, you know, how to leverage influencers and whatnot. And to be honest, those people on the market that just have all those skill sets and are true experts day one, like, I'm not gonna say they don't exist, but it's very, 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 very hard to find a good media buyer that has all those skill sets. I know because I try to hire those people all day long and I can't find them. You know, luckily we have a phenomenal training process that I put in place, but That was my skill set. You know, I am a marketer. I put the foundation for everything we do in place day one. That's why we own an agency today. But founders who don't have those skill sets, it's kind of setting up the brand for failure, wasting, in a sense, wasting time, which wastes money and wastes your potential growth of your brand. So I'm not just pitching agencies on there. You know, I create an agency because I truly believe people should use it. If you're not a marketer, but content is the most important thing you should always keep in-house. Customer service, obviously, something you should keep in-house.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that time piece too because I think something that you said that was really interesting over there is it's not always just about the money that you're spending. Sometimes it's about the time that you're spending to learn those skills. So how do you look at that? Like, even for you personally, like, how do you look at your your kind of time balance and deciding, like, when, when is it worth it to keep, like, working on it and and learn how to do it better versus you know having someone that might be like an expert come in and take care of it
1: yeah i think it's like well number one if you're the ceo of the brand like i do think like you shouldn't be you really should be giving strategy and if you have to learn something completely from scratch while your brand is out there and you're trying to grow it like clearly there's the rest of your business that's uh uh potentially you know falling short as a result, and it's like, how do you, if you can hire an agency for a few thousand dollars a month, like, does it make sense for you to try and learn marketing, you know? Because once again, it's not just marketing, it's like everything I, I described, it's not just the button pushing. So, it just comes down to, I guess, number one, personal choice, like, I don't know, I've never seen a single brand we work with where like, the CEO's like, I wanna learn Facebook ads, like, let me do it myself and it works out, you know? The best best ones are the ones that kind of do exactly what I say. So I don't know. I I think that like there's a reason why when you grow a company, you hire people because you can't do everything yourself. People give you more leverage than you trying to do things yourself. So I would tell people if you're trying to just learn everything yourself, like you're probably not a good idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trend's exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more, all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's tren dio slash podcast and look for the Slack community link to claim your invite. We hope to see you on there. So let's talk a little bit about um, scaling as well, because I know you have an agency, you've helped a lot of brands and businesses scale also. What are some of those indicators that kind of tell you like, hey, it's time to really double down on this. It's time to really scale this. Um, And even maybe key indicators for finding like that perfect product market fit. So you've got the great product and now you've found the, the target buyer and, and persona that's going to really eat this up.
1: For me, obviously, return on ad spend is the number one indicator. Click-through rate is another indicator because um, that just shows how interested people are in your product. Obviously, if you have shitty content, you could have the best product market fit. Click-through rate still might be low, but that's another indicator and kind of just interest in your product. CPM is another interesting one I found that like based on like, because there's, there's no, no one knows like truly how Facebook gives brand CPMs. And what I found is like there's like random products and brands that we've seen that have such cheap CPMs that just makes media buying like so easy because if their CPMs are so low, and like you know, the delta between and how much you're paying per click and your earnings per click is just positive is a good multiple, like you're gonna you're gonna do well on media buying. So that's another interesting thing I found. So it's like if brands have high click through rate, low CPMs. Um, which translate into a good ad, ad spend, Like that's when you know you can start scaling. The other single most important thing for me when I look at a brand is the uh, subscription component. We have some brands that spend $20,000, $30,000, $40,000 a day in ad spend. And we have some brands that are spending one to 3,000 a day that over time are might be more valuable than the brands spending that much because they're compounding. The, the one 13 three K is all subscription only products. So their growth is just like this versus other brands. If you don't have a ton of customers repeating and coming back in a consistent manner, it's tough to predict, tough to project, margins get hit. You have to constantly find new customers. So it's really tough in the current landscape to grow a brand if you don't have a solid foundation of returning customers. So to me, that's the number one most important uh, factor of a brand today.
0: Yeah. So speaking to that subscription model specifically, when when you work with brands that maybe come in and don't have the subscription model, is there like kind of like that process to see if there is an opportunity for, for subscription? Because that might be the key to really that, that strong brand growth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like that that's just part of what we do. Like we'll make all the recommendations to brands uh, for just growth. Because I you know we're incentivized to grow brands. If brands have more returning customers now that will make the brand more successful, which will allow them to keep working with us. So uh, we can only continue to get paid if the brand's making money. So we'll make all the recommendations for how you can optimize your site for subscription, for you know conversion rate, average order value, all that stuff, even if we're only doing the media buying portion.
0: Definitely. So um, for brands that might have already a ton of customers, but they really haven't hit the mark on the subscription piece, Um, What would be your recommendation to those people to try and kind of like scale that piece and maybe convert uh, some customers who maybe do, maybe they're just first time purchasers. Maybe they've repurchased a few times, but they aren't on some sort of subscription plan. Like what are some recommendations that you can kind of offer to get those people to convert onto a subscription plan?
1: The easiest, lowest hanging fruit is just, you know, the subscribe now and subscribe and save. Like that's the easiest thing you could do. Another kind of thing going off of that is to have on your product page, and landing page, to have the subscribe and save pre-selected and not the regular one. Little stuff like that can make a, a decent impact. But really what I find, uh, you know, another, another really impactful thing you could do is, this is only if your product is truly a subscription, they're not just gonna cancel, is to heavily discount the first month. This works for some supplements, stuff like that, that people truly do take the products every day. It's like some beauty or skincare, etc you know, some people use like their deodorant for six months, like you're not gonna get that on a monthly subscription. So that's what I found is that when people fail is uh, is when they try to force a, a subscription on products that really don't necessarily have to be true subscription, like the deodorant, like, because some people, you know, use it 12 months, some use it two months, some six, some who knows, a month, I don't know. So it's, it's really understanding your product and truly understanding how often people use it in the life cycle before you kind of go aggressive and give discounts in the first month. But from what I've seen, that that is the best way to just heavily discount the first month if you know that uh, you know if you know your metrics, you know your churn, you know how many people are going to cancel first month, second month, third, et cetera. You know what the LTV is going to be, so that you can you know bake that into the, the cac when you're actually running ads.
0: And for some of those products that, you know, are on like a longer subscription cycle, maybe like you talked about deodorant and people's usage, what kind of uh, recommendations or is there like a focus on like, even educating the customer at that point too? Um, like how much of that like goes into educating the customer to try and maybe potentially pick up usage? And I don't know whether that happens, you know, before the first purchase, after the first purchase, but to maybe have some sort of uh, subscription, uh, more usage of subscription and kind of, I guess, even position the brand potentially as like the the knowledge leader or thought leader in that space.
1: Yeah, you, you, you said it perfectly, because that's the reason why people churn, right, is if they have too much product and they don't use it. So um, really just the education portion on the content, this could be in your email flows, week one, two, three, four, five, et cetera, showing people how to use your product, how important it is to use it, giving social proof, giving all that stuff, maybe some industry leaders' recommendations talking about your product, um, doing that on social, on email, on even on SMS, etc. just trying to keep that top of mind for your customer is super important. I agree with you completely on that.
0: Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. I know I've seen a lot of brands. Someone's recently talking about like uh, even SEO and things like that for educating customers. So that way you can kind of bring them into the site and educate them as well. I know you've worked on uh, a ton of businesses and we've kind of talked about like the idea to scaling a little bit. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about um, what you've been doing. Um, I know you've worked on a ton of different businesses. Out of all the things you've worked on, what's been your Favorite things to work on, um, you know, individual products or brands or any of those things?
1: My, my definitely, you know, I'm going to sound repetitive again. I mean, I guess my favorite part of the business is when we have a client that's struggling initially and we're able to create uh, a meaningful impact and change through like diagnosing the problems. It works, whether it's on the site issue, on content, on, you know, customer persona, et cetera. Et cetera. So we solve that one issue or maybe multiple issues. And, and then the, the brand just blows up because of the, the metrics and whatnot start working. So that's to me is always like the most exciting wins because obviously the client gets excited, shows how useful we are, et cetera. We're also starting to now really focus on our studio, building a kind of like what we call rampant creative iteration program. We work with brands so like we're the ones that are literally creating the concepts for the brand on, on photo or video. We're doing all the customer persona research. We're then you know, creating all the various iterations of ads, giving it to brands, testing them, iterating again. So now we're doing that all in our studio. To me, that that's really exciting and that, that's really how I think our agency can make a, a much bigger impact um, with our current clients and future ones as well.
0: Very cool. And yeah, I guess the last thing that I, I'd have to ask um, is also on that content piece, digging in a little bit, further. I know, you know, one of the hottest topics for e-commerce direct to consumer has been some of the changes uh, with iOS 14 for Facebook ads specifically. How do you think, um, you know, creative kind of plays into the impact that's happening there? Like, what do you kind of see for the future of Facebook ads and any tips to kind of, uh, I guess it's already here, but kind of be extra prepared for those changes that are going on. I think the audience insights are also going away as well.
1: Um, I mean, at the end of the day, whether you're the best creative or the worst creative, like attribution is not—you know—is not what it what it was. So um, the only—you know—the only thing that we can control as advertisers is the creative and the landing pages. And unless that's really dialed in, it's going to be tough to have success because. If the attribution is not there, now the machine learning isn't working as good as it was. It's potentially not finding the same you know, proper audiences as, as it was as it relates to the content that you're showing and whatnot. So um, why content's important is kind of just, it comes down into the metrics. If you have great engaging content that resonates with your target persona, your click-through rates are gonna be higher, your quality scores are gonna be higher, your CPCs are gonna be lower. If your CPCs are now lower and the conversion rate stays the same, you know, that, that's how you get a high return on ad spend. So that's why people say content, content, content is so important. Um, is really because how it translates in, into those, those metrics. And then if you can help with the increase the conversion rate, so now you're decreasing cost per click, increasing your earnings per click. Once again, it's how you get even greater return on ad spend and scale. So
0: what's your favorite type of creative?
1: um my favorite <laughs> type of creative my favorite type of creative is uh when we work with celebrities you know that's pretty cool
0: cool that's awesome yeah i'm sure those are pretty powerful statements over there
1: when we work with celebrities we get to run the ads for off their at their facebook <laughs> instagram page etc um especially celebrities that i'm a fan of right That that's always pretty cool so
0: yeah i bet that's awesome very cool uh So I know we're coming to the end of the podcast over here. As we wrap up, I've got a couple last questions over here. The first one is like, uh, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've kind of seen other brands face? And and what would you tell other founders? And then uh, to kind of wrap it up as well, um, you know, talk to us about what's next for the snow agency too.
1: The challenges I see brands face are are number one, growing too fast. If you grow too fast, odds are your customer experience is gonna take a hit, products are gonna be delayed, customer service is gonna be as fast. And when that happens, customers have a bad experience and they might not return to your store again. So although you might be very profitable right now, you won't have as many repeating customers, which truly does hurt the brand in the long run. So I've made that mistake so many times. I see some of our clients make that mistake. Good problem to have, but It's very hard, you know, if you know you can crank up the ad budget and generate revenue profit right now, sometimes it's it's tough not to do that. But that's a mistake I see many people make. Another mistake I I see many people make as well is is not really investing into into your customer experience enough. Once again, I've said how important it is to have the customer as happy as possible. Um, They are your brand evangelist if you do it right. And that's how your brand grows, gets loyalty, community, all that stuff.
0: Very cool. Awesome. And uh, what's next for for the Snow Agency?
1: Um, What's next is really, like I said, the the studio portion to me is is what we've all been focusing a lot on, Um, as well as I believe you see marketplaces like Amazon, Walmart, etc. Just having, having, let's say Amazon's like 46% of e-commerce sales. So a lot of Shopify brands do only Shopify and don't get into marketplace And a lot of Amazon brands don't get into Shopify. I see this divide. So that's another huge initiative for mine this year is to launch a marketplace division in our agency that takes our Shopify brands onto Amazon and whatnot.
0: Very cool. Um, That's exciting stuff. And we definitely heard that advice from a couple of other people as well that we've brought on um, doing that for your brand. Well, Daniel, it's been awesome having you on the podcast over here. Really enjoyed getting to talk with you about building products, scaling products, um, and even some of your own experiences as well. Um, and before I let you go, um, I'll, I'll give you a chance to share with the audience, where can people kind of learn more about, you know, what you're doing, what you're working on, and even potentially connect with you?
1: Yeah. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am Dan Snow. Instagram is just dapper, D-A-P-P-E-R. Or if you want to email me, it's dan at thesnowagency.com. And obviously my website's thesnowagency.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. Really enjoyed having you on the podcast. I'm sure, I know I got a lot of value out of this. I'm sure our audience did as well. If you did, feel free to drop a quick rating and subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you next time on the DTC pod.
1: Awesome. Thank you.